On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thanks so much for joining us this episode. We are very excited to be chatting with Notre Dame Fighting Irish senior women's basketball guard, Arike Ogumbawale. Arike made headlines last spring when she drained two game-winning baskets in the semifinal and championship game to propel Notre Dame to its first national title in 17 years. Thanks so much for joining us, Arike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It must be a fun time to be on campus right now with the football team about to embark on a national championship run. Uh, I do the sidelines for Notre Dame football every single weekend, so we're out there in South Bend. But what is it like right now to be a part of that campus and a part of that championship fever? I think everybody's just really excited for them being able to go to the playoffs and going undefeated throughout, you know, the actual season. So I think the energy is just super high on campus right now. Do the athletes at Notre Dame all support one another? Do you guys kind of hang out and, and go to each other's events? Yeah, definitely. I mean, personally, I'm not a big football fan. I don't really like the weather, but most of my teammates <laughs> go. And they come to a lot of basketball games, too. So we always support each other and watch it on TV. I'm surprised you don't like the weather. You're a Milwaukee girl, right? You're used to the cold. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've lived in it, but I don't really like it that much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, your season, meanwhile, just about a little over a month in, and you just recently hit 2,000 career points. Congratulations on that milestone. Thank you. I appreciate it. When you think back to your four years at Notre Dame and coming in as a freshman and being big-eyed and wanting to achieve a certain amount of goals throughout your career there for the Fighting Irish, was 2,000 part of that goal mark for you? I mean, it's definitely something that everybody looks forward to, but it wasn't something that I came in specifically. I just wanted to, you know, have a great career and do whatever I could to help the team and, of course, try to win a national championship. So that definitely, I'm glad that happened along the road. But, you know, the biggest goal was winning a national championship and trying to do it again. Well, you're really only about 300 points away from the all-time leading point scorer in Irish history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that an attainable goal for you? I mean, I think it's attainable like the way season's going and I mean if I'm able to reach that then you know that's an honor considering I think Skylar has it right now she was such a great player so that'd be really cool to be able to get to that level but you know my main goal is just trying to keep winning. Well talk to me about this season how do you assess your team right now just a little over a month in? Yeah we still have a lot to work on I mean I think the game yesterday we improved a lot of stuff that coach has been getting on us about for these past couple weeks but we definitely still have a long way to go with defense, you know, getting our plays right and different stuff like that. But I think we look pretty solid for it only to be 10 games in. All right, Enrique, take me back to the springtime. I mean, what you did was unprecedented. Even people that were not sports fans heard about what you were able to achieve. You made that game-winning basket in the semifinal game against UConn, your arch nemesis, the biggest rival for the Irish. (laughs) And then you did the same exact thing in the final against Mississippi State to lead your team to a championship. What were those two moments like for you? I mean, it was just really surreal, especially, you know, with everything my team has been through throughout the whole season, like, Getting to that point was even tough. We didn't even know if we were going to be a number one seed, and we lost a couple games during the season. We had one of our biggest losses in school history, so it was definitely a lot up and down throughout the season. But, you know, to finally get into that situation and to how it ended, how it ended, and the team never giving up and different things like that, I think it just made it so, you know, memorable and special. When they happened, I mean, I'm sure at the moment you weren't really able to sit back and reflect. You had to, you know, after you did the first one against UConn, you got to get 
mentally prepared for the championship game against Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Um, what do you remember most in in the immediate aftermath of both of those baskets? Oh, I just know my phone was blowing up. Like <laughs> it was going crazy. Like on all different types of platforms, text, Twitter, Instagram, like every single thing was just going crazy. So I had to kind of turn it off for a while. But the team, we didn't really, like after the UConn game, we didn't go to sleep until probably about like 4 a.m. Like, because we were just up. Everybody was just excited. I mean, the game was a double overtime. It was all, or overtime. It was already late. So we didn't get to get back to the hotel till like 12-ish. And we were just super excited. But we had to be up at like 8 or 9 the next day to practice because I think that was our slot. So, we were really running on little sleep, especially even going into Sunday. I think that's why we started off so slow. We barely slept because we just feel super excited from Friday. <laughs> that's so awesome. I mean, what was it like walking back on campus after not only winning a national championship, but you having those two game-winning buzzer beaters to do so? Yeah, well, we came back to a, a parade they had on the quad, and, you know, everybody was there when we got off the bus, all the fans, and that was just super exciting to be able to share that moment with them right after the, or right after the game, them being there right when we get back to campus. So, the, you know, it was crazy on campus for a couple of weeks. Like, everybody stopping to talk to us, even outside of campus when we went out to eat, everybody asking for pictures and different things like that. Well, you definitely became a superstar very, very quickly, Arike. And earlier on the On Her Turf podcast, earlier this season, we chatted with WNBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Candace Parker. I'm sure you've heard of her, no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me just play back what Candace had to say about where she was when she watched what you achieved. Take a listen. I literally interrupted a party yelling and screaming because I couldn't believe she hit. She hit one shot, and then she hit the second shot. And so... To just be able to witness that moment and to see her career and where it's even gone after those shots. I mean, she's a national champion, and it definitely inspired a lot of women, a lot of girls, a lot of people just across the, across the nation. Arike, when you hear that, what do you think? I mean, that's super cool, especially coming from a legend like her. And, you know, she's done amazing things in college and in WBA. So it's really an honor for her to, you know, mention the team and I in that Mary and, you know, praise us like that and say we're inspiration to young girl. Shortly after the school year ended, the Atlantic Coast Conference named you as its female athlete of the year across all sports. That's incredible. Sharing the honors with men's winner Lamar Jackson of Louisville football. He went on to win the Heisman. You move on. You're going for another championship here your senior year. But what did that honor mean to you when the when the ACC granted that to you last year? Well, I mean, that was the first time for Notre Dame basketball that anybody's gotten that award. And that's really big, especially since it's all sports in the ACC. And of course, you know, like all the sports are big in the ACC and a lot of different good players and athletes. So to be able to get that out of everybody, that's really a blessing. There's no denying the rivalry that exists between Notre Dame and UConn women's basketball. When you see them on the schedule, Arike, what's your first thought? That is just going to be a good game. You know, no matter if it's in South Bend or in Connecticut, it's going to be sold out regardless. Or even in a different places, it's going to be sold out because people love to watch that game. We have great athletes on both teams and it's always competitive. So. I think I'm just excited whenever we play them just because it's going to be a fun game for sure and the fans are going to be tuned in. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly seen the emotions. You talk about those emotions. We've seen it boil over as well. And as recent as a game, uh, just recently when your emotions got the best of you in an encounter with UConn legendary head coach, Gino Ariema, but you also, you know, you took responsibility for that. You issued an apology on Twitter to all the Irish fans um, for what happened there. What would you say, looking back, what did you gain from that experience? What did you learn from it? I mean, it's really just basketball. I mean, like, of course, it's a rivalry game. Emotions going to be high, and you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, that just happened in that situation. But, like I said, it's just basketball, and in rivalry games, 
like I said, you never know what's going to happen. So it was intense. Both teams were competitive, but, you know, we just got to move on. And we took a loss, so we definitely have to get better from that. Your coach, Muffet McGraw, I've seen her so many times being honored at halftime, being honored at certain moments at the games that we cover in South Bend for the football team. Uh, I'm always intrigued by her. I, I, I love watching legendary coaches empower young women, and that's really what she has done with you guys. What does she say? What does she do to make you guys better leaders and better young women? Well, I mean, I think from freshman year, she just tries to instill in us all the qualities really that she has and the rest of the coaches have and just being confident in whatever you do, whether it's on the court or off the court, and, you know, try to be a good leader and know that people are always watching you and just always give your all in whatever you do. Is she hard on you guys at all? Definitely. <laughs> How so? I'm sure recently she was with those, uh, you know, with the the tensions during a UConn game. But how does she? How does she kind of instill that that discipline in you guys? I mean, like people may not know it, but coach is really, really hard on everybody. Like, I mean, that's why she gets the best out of her players. But she's definitely tough on us. Whether it's a win or a loss, she's gonna be tough on us, and so are the other coaches. So, you know, just how she coaches, how she talks to us, what she tells us in film. When she tells them in practice, different stuff like that, we just always got to listen because, I mean, she's always given, you know, wisdom and things like that. Well, let me go back to your childhood, Arike. You were born in Milwaukee. You're the youngest of three children. Uh, your mom played softball at DePaul University. Your brother, an outstanding mm-hmm. athlete as well. He played football at the University mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. What was your childhood like? Uh, I mean, just really playing with them a lot and, you know, boys in the street. I have a lot of cousins, too, so playing with them, just we were really always playing sports. No matter if it was soccer, basketball, football, whatever, we were always playing. And it was always physical. Like, my brothers, they treated me like one of them. They didn't take it easy on me. So I think that's really helped in my lifetime. Yeah, it's made you strong, that's for sure. <laughs> Your first name, Arike, means, quote, something that you see and you cherish. It's in your father's native Nigeria. How do you think you do in those categories? How do you embody your name? Uh, I think it's, well, I don't want to sound conceited, but... I mean, I think I try to embody it and just try to spread that as well and just, you know, always have positive energy and, you know, add value to whatever I'm doing. And if it's a team, if it's just whatever, add value to it in, a, in the best way I can. From yeah. 2009 to 2012, I mean, you were part of four Wisconsin State Cup-winning soccer teams. That's, a, I mean, a tremendous yeah. athlete. Yeah, you mentioned you played soccer growing up. You definitely did. You won championships at it. What made you decide? <laughs> yeah. um, how did you have to give up soccer in order to focus on basketball? When was that moment in your life? Uh, it was. I think I did it at the end of my freshman year, or maybe a little bit before. It was tough though, because I, I mean, I played club with them and I played basketball and like. As I got older, I was getting more scholarships and stuff for basketball and a lot of stuff like that. And soccer, too, but, uh, I mean, I just started to like basketball more as I got older. And I knew I couldn't do both because they really both took up a lot of time, so I had to give it up. We talk a lot on this podcast about the importance of sports for young women, the importance of how it provides you with gaining confidence. Um, you mentioned growing up and playing with the boys, playing with your cousins, uh, and what that did mm-hmm. for you. But can you describe how important sports are on influencing young women to grow and to flourish? I mean, yeah, especially in like how stuff is. They always want people to be timid and different things like that. But I think like being physical at an early age, that's going to help you in anything, whether you keep playing basketball, physical stuff, or even like working, you know, it's always a lot of men that are in the highest positions and they're always tough and different things like that. So I think being able to be physical and confident at a young age, that's going to help you whether you play sports or you just have a regular job. 
Are there ways that that um, that fire, that strength that you get and yet you received from playing sports at a young age, are there ways that that translates to both the classroom, maybe some group projects that you do within your major, um, ever, anything outside of the basketball court? Yeah, I think with sports, you, I mean, unless you're playing golf or something, it's going to be a team sport. So you have to work with people and you guys, of course, going to have different personalities. You might butt heads and stuff like that. And that's how it is when you have group projects, like you said, or if you're working with different people, you have to be able to relate to them and work with people that may not be like you. So I think sports really helps with that. So your mom played softball at DePaul University in Chicago. Your brother played football at the University of Wisconsin. What drew you to Notre Dame? Uh, I mean, of course they recruited me, but other schools did too. So when we went on our visits, we just had to, you know, pick the right school and I didn't really want to stay close to home, but I think it helped that Notre Dame was close to home because I didn't, also didn't want to go super far. But, I mean, I think it just had everything that we were looking for. Like, in school-wise, they're, what, top five in the nation in school. They're top five in the nation in basketball. So I was really getting the best of both worlds coming in. Did you find, I, I just know that the academic standards at Notre Dame are in, you know, they hold themselves with a high integrity with regards to that. And it mm-hmm. can be challenging to balance everything, especially as an athlete. You're practicing every single day and basketball, your season may be now, but you guys are practicing and working out and training year round for what you do. Mm-hmm. Did you find it difficult at first to try and balance both the academic standards at Notre Dame and also your high basketball standards that Coach McGraw wanted from you guys? Um, I think the basketball part was easier to pick up, although it's still tough because high school is way different from college. But academic-wise, my high school was one of the top in Wisconsin. It was already super tough. So I think it was an easy transition for me for school-wise, being able to do both of those since my high school had a, a tough academic you know, commitments and different things like that. But I think the basketball part was kind of tough because it's a lot more commitment than high school, like 6 a.m. workouts all every day in the summer and – practice every day too and you have to go to class too but I mean it was pretty easy to pick up you know you've got four years under your belt when you get asked by the younger players that are coming on your team uh, you're the veteran you're the experienced one you're a leader in that locker room what do you tell them to try and empower them your teammates your younger teammates to be the best that they can be uh especially for the freshmen I mean we have what four seniors right now and Jackie who's a junior so we have a lot of upperclassmen playing above them. I know they were all top players in high school, so it's tough coming into a situation like that. And I kind of had the same situation my freshman year, so I try to relate to them that it takes time. Like, you're not going to come in doing everything that you wanted to freshman year. You just got to try to learn. And next year, I mean, we're graduating four people, and so they're all going to have a chance to play a lot more next year. So just use this year to learn and don't get too discouraged because, like I said, they have a lot of great players ahead of them that they can just learn from and get better for for next year. Well, you mentioned graduation, and certainly that's that's right around the corner for you being a senior, and next would be WNBA draft. Uh, do you think about that at all, Enrique? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, clearly that's coming up pretty close, and, you know, that's, what, April. I'm going to see what team I'm going to, but, you know, we still got a lot left of the season, so I just keep my focus on that for right now. Yeah, I mean, certainly your your focus with Notre Dame is, is where you're at right now. But, I mean, growing up as a little girl, could you have ever imagined the career you've had at Notre Dame and the possibility, the expectation to be drafted in the WNBA draft? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you ever – were those goals of yours when you were a kid, dreams of yours? I mean, definitely dreams to, you know, continue to play the sport I love in all different types of levels. But for it to have gone like it has that when the – 
known that would happen. So that's just, you know, really cool to be able to live through and continue it. I want to go back to last spring again for a second because after you achieved such great success on the court and your team did and you win the national championship, last spring mm. you compete on season 26 of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was that like for you? That was a lot. I mean, like <laughs> when uh, Josh, that's our SID, when he told me about it, like I thought he was joking because I just never in my life even thought of that. So, I mean, but it was a cool experience. Like, I'm glad I did it. I met a lot of cool people and I mean, not a lot of people can say they were on a dancing TV show, so that's definitely something that I can keep forever with me. But, you know, it was just a cool experience to be able to do. Did you have to think twice about it? I mean, once you realized Josh was not joking with you, did you give it much thought? I mean, did you know right away you wanted to do it? No, I, I well, initially I didn't want to, but I had to talk to a lot of people and, you know, <laughs> think about it a lot to see if that was something I really wanted to do. But I did it. I'm glad I did it, so... Yeah, how much, you know, you're probably glad you did it because it took you out of your comfort zone. It made you do something that perhaps you feared. Uh, how much did it take you out of that comfort zone, Enrique? I mean, like, you had to really dance in front of the whole world. Like, it was going to be on TV, and that's something I wouldn't want to choose to do on my own, I guess. So that was definitely a big change. Like, I mean, although we play basketball in front of millions of people, but dancing is something that, you know, that's out of the comfort zone and something I'm not used to. So it's definitely a lot to get used to. Yeah, the outfits are a little different too, right? I mean, basketball uniform, you're comfortable. Yeah. You've been playing in one since you were a kid. <laughs> exactly. What did you do to overcome that initial fear, maybe the nerves, um, you know, prior to that first recording for Dancing with the Stars? You're in L.A. Or did they did they come to you, actually? I know sometimes the dancers travel. Yeah, well, I he came with me throughout the week, but then we left Friday so we can, like, the show and be in LA then we came back okay so you're in LA you're getting ready for dancing with the stars totally out of your comfort zone what did you do maybe in your hotel room that night and the night before that that you had to like mentally prepare yourself for what were some of the things that you said to yourself to try and give yourself that confidence and overcome that initial fear I mean I was pretty nervous even up to the show but I, the good thing about it is like you do a dress rehearsal and it's like the whole show really exactly what you're going to do like they have fans they have the uh uh the host like you do exactly what you're going to do right before the show so you did the whole dance and it was basically a show you just got to do it again for the actual live so I think that really helped that you got to do it and then be able to do it again I know you have a full slate of coursework you've also got a jam-packed schedule with your basketball requirements um do you have much downtime Arike and if you do what do you like to do with it well, I have this semester because I only have one more class for my uh, last semester. It's only on Tuesday and Thursday, so I'm going to have a lot of downtime. But uh, I, that's something I'm going to have to figure out because I don't really know yet. What, what about in the summertime when you're not at school, when you're with your friends? Uh, I'm just at home with my dogs. I really don't leave the house that much. I work out, come back home, and lay down with my dogs. What kind of, um, I know, like, we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about what people like to read, what kind of books they like to read. Have you read any inspiring books that have really, you know, that you that you like to keep close to you? Um, actually, not a big reader, but I, I watch Netflix, so <laughs> I don't know if those are equal. Probably not, but... <laughs> All right. Well, we have some fun questions that we like to um, that we like to ask at the end of the conversation. Um, just some off the cuff things. What's something that you wish you were asked about more often? Probably my dogs. Your dogs? Well, yeah. What kind of dogs do you have, by the way? Well, our family dog. He's a toy poodle, and then I have a golden doodle. You have a golden doodle at school? Yeah. 
Nice. What are the names of the two dogs? The toy poodle is Bucky and the golden doodle is Kobe. After Kobe Bryant, I take it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What is uh, one item besides your cell phone that you just can't leave your home without? Carmex. Carmex. Ah, girl after my own heart. You got to keep. <laughs> I don't go anywhere without lip gloss. So Carmex is a good one. <laughs> um, what is an item on your bucket list? What's the number one item right now on your bucket list? Good question. Uh, anywhere you want to go? No, I really have never thought about that. Oh, you have anywhere, to get one. I mean, I, I want to. I guess in my life, I want to go to Bora Bora, but that's probably that's probably it. I guess. <laughs> um, what about your guilty pleasure? Candy. Candy, nice. Hey, I want to go back to the mm-hmm. Kobe dog naming because I do. I I remember you had an opportunity to meet Kobe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What was that like for you? What did you, did you ask him anything in particular? I mean, I met him on the show but i mean like it was already meeting ellen was already big too and to be able to meet him at the same time that was just super cool you know i mean i watch ellen a lot my mom watches it you know everybody watches it really so to be able to be on our show and also to meet your idol at the same that's a cool experience yeah who is um in all of these you know this recognition that you've received and that your team received from winning the national championship who's the coolest person you had the opportunity to meet i mean probably ellen honestly just because She's so influential in the world, like, with everything she does, helps people. She's funny. Like, she's just an amazing person in general. And then, of course, Kobe next. But I'll have to say Ellen first. Awesome. Well, Arike, we so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the On Her Turf podcast. And best of luck the rest of the season to you and your teammates. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We were just chatting with Arike Ogumbawale. You can download the On Her Turf podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know what you think, and we want to hear from you, so be sure to chime in. Follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.